A reading from Isaiah. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips He shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant to you live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. 
And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Someone asked me this morning at about five minutes before the service, how are you doing, Richard? How are you feeling? I said, I'm crazed right now. How about the rest of you? I don't know if you spotted it on Nextdoor earlier this week, but somebody was complaining about the fact that people are leaning on their horns a little bit more than usual in Mill Valley these days. I was on my way down to Mill Valley Market on Wednesday, I think, and just going down to grab some lunch, and a guy came sailing around the corner off Olive, didn't even see me. I was standing there on a crosswalk. He missed me by just a few feet. And I was like, hey, hey. He didn't even see me. I got down to Mill Valley Market, and the lady was parked right outside the market, and just as I came past, she leaned on her horn. I jumped about 10 feet in the air. I don't know if it was something I was wearing or what it was, but something obviously was bothering her, and she leaned on her horn. It's that time of year, right? 
It's that time of year. And uh, for those of you who know me well and know my working patterns, um, it's been a long-standing joke sort of in the administration of the parish that Easter is not an emergency and nor is Christmas. And yet with all of the planning we put into place, there are all these last-minute things that creep up on us and crowd our schedule and drive us crazy. So we're all a little bit crazed this time of year. And here comes John the Baptist in today's gospel honking his horn. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. It really helps. (laughs) You know, that, that business about the brood of vipers, that's not for someone else. That's for the faithful. The Pharisees and Sadducees are not being critiqued by John because they're on the outside. It's because they're on the inside. They're in here with us, the people who show up to church, the people who put in the hard work, the people who are keeping the traditions alive and keeping the ship moving forward. In John's time, they were the authorities in Jerusalem. John had taken up the mantle of the ancient prophets of the Hebrew Scriptures, and he had gone out to the edge of civilization itself, and he dressed in fur, and he ate insects and wild honey, and his hair was probably wild, and you could probably smell him from a mile off. And there he is in the Jordan saying to the people, repent, come and be baptized. And the curious thing about it is that the people came, and then the religious authorities show up. Probably not because they want to be baptized. They want to know what he's really up to. What is he doing out there? And why does he have the people so captivated? We might say John the Baptist was a political figure that we would like today. He's that kind who is calling the people in power to account. He's the kind that the people on the ground will respect and follow. He's the kind of firebrand we need who will help us throw the bums out and cleanse the powers that be and restore whatever we think is good and glorious about our land and our honor and our self-respect and the body politic writ large. He's kind of a prophet's hero, you might say, And he talks about the things that we would like to have happen, fire and brimstone, yeah? But only for the right people. Only for the right people, not for the rest of us. The interesting contrast with that is today's reading from Isaiah, which we as Christians always hear through the lens of our tradition about Jesus. But when it was first written, the ancient Israelites were on the threshold of complete dissolution. The Assyrian Empire had taken over the northern kingdom completely. It was overrun. And the southern kingdom, including Jerusalem, had become a vassal state. And I'm sure in the back of their minds at that time, they could see that the army of the Assyrians could march into Jerusalem any day now, and it would be the end. And in fact, in Isaiah's time, that's exactly what happens. And the people are taken into exile in Babylon for at least three, if not four, generations. 
It is on the eve of that sense of dissolution and destruction. When all the horns are honking, and even worse, there's been a major traffic accident, and the world seems to be coming to an end, that Isaiah suggests something outrageous. That somehow Zion, that mountain upon which the temple is built, will become the center of the world. And that the world that is yet to come will be like nothing people can imagine because, as Isaiah puts it in this sort of weird, outrageous imaginings of his, the lion will be eating straw like the ox. The children can play with the snakes and they'll be okay. What is he on about? More than that, what is he on, really? What is he talking A world without violence. A world that will be structured on something completely new and different. That the powers that we know and understand and play in every day can't possibly even begin to comprehend. This is the odd hope that we have this second Sunday, this second week of Advent, when we're all leaning on our horns a little or a lot, and it seems like we're all a little bit more crazed than usual. This hope of what has become known to biblical scholars as the peaceable kingdom. It's something that even John the Baptist struggles with, You see what he promises at the end of his prophecy about the coming Messiah, a winnowing fork in his hand, and he will burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. If we look ahead a little bit, later on when John the Baptist is in prison and Jesus has has begun his public ministry, John sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one? It's not just a rhetorical twist of phrase, it's a little bit of surprise, because somehow Jesus shows up not with a winnowing fork in his hand, not breathing threats of dissolution, not planning fire to burn out the chaff. In fact, he says to John's disciples, go and tell John what you see. The sick are being healed. The hungry are being fed. The poor are hearing the good news. Jesus, in an ironic twist, embodies a different form of prophecy, more like Isaiah than that of the firebrand prophets, and even takes John the Baptist by surprise. One of the lessons of this Sunday that we will be caught off guard when the kingdom that God has promised breaks in because it will be nothing like we expect. It will not come with horns a-honking and people getting out of our way. It will come in the acts of compassion and mercy 
in restored relationship, wherever that relationship needs to be restored and deepened and strengthened, even in this season of deep angst and growing darkness. It's where the light will come. And above all, the hope. That is who we are called to be as an Advent people, a people of hope, not a people who honk their horns, interestingly enough. The signs of the kingdom are not in our crazed states, but in those quiet moments where souls are nurtured and healed where we gather together like this as a community and set down our crazed schedules for just long enough to hear our God speaking to us with words of love and comfort rather than fire and threat and brimstone. To embrace for a moment that peaceable kingdom that lies just beyond the threshold of our deepest imaginings. That is what we are called to do this day, this second Sunday in Advent. And be prepared for a Messiah who is not coming on our schedule or our agenda, but on God's. Because the world remade will not be ours, but will belong to God. And as Isaiah puts it, belong to our children. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.